Welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure to find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Blue. I am joined by my co-host, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. We're going to recap the weekend when the Raptors got robbed in Sacramento. Uh, close game where Emmanuel quickly was fouled. But uh, not called by the officials. Raptors oh get screwed in Sacramento once again. You're going to complain about the, the last two-minute report? Oh, there was only one error, and it went against the Raptors in a very crucial moment. But the Raptors made us forget all about that when they uh, went out and defeated the Golden State Warriors last night in a wire-to-wire victory, feeling great about the game. What's going on? What's going on, Alex? How you doing, man? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just looking at the standings. The race for uh, 10th is heating up, man. In both conferences. Raptors are 15 and 21 now. Just half a game back of Brooklyn and Chicago, who are both 16 and 21. That's going to be the rest of the season for you. When you say heating up, what do you, what do you really mean by that? Because I just mean, really I, just mean like I don't think the Raptors are going to climb higher than ninth. Yeah. Barring okay. a huge run. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a battle for that 9-10 spot. Yeah, we've got a nice little... Uh, segmentation of the standings where there are eight real teams mm-hmm. and then there are Brooklyn, <laughs> Chicago, Toronto, Atlanta who uh-huh. are in there, not even just in the Eastern Conference, league-wide they're in this weird and we we talked about this earlier in the year where I think at the 20 game mark it was like, okay good teams, bad teams and then Toronto and Chicago were the only in-betweens but Brooklyn and Atlanta, Brooklyn has fallen off enough and Atlanta never turned it around you know, Atlanta for a while there was like well, we're way better than the metrics or we're way better than our record suggests and they've just continually played worse. So you've got this nice little four-team. The rest of the league knows what they're doing and where they are, and then you've got this little four-team bubble that I guess kind of proves the point of the play-in, although you'd rather them be better than ninth through 12th because, like, right now you look at it, and um, if you remember the bubble, the first year they had the play-in, none of these teams would even have the right to play in. They're too far behind the eight seed. Mm. Yeah. So that that little mediocre group has to take a step slightly up. Well, you're going to get these kind of years, and hopefully the Raptors can get out of that because what I'm interested in now is the post-trade deadline standings. All right, Raptors 3-1. and one. We're a different team. No, but seriously, they do feel really different. Do you think they could actually climb up beyond ninth? Uh, they would need to go on a run. They need to pull off a win streak. Blake's already shaking his head, so no, probably you seem kind of skeptical when I said that the highest they could go is ninth. No, I mean, it just doesn't sound that great because when you watch the performances, they look more cohesive. If they had this team... From the start of the season, I think they'd be in a totally different position. But in any case, you can only deal with, like, the facts on the ground. And I, I guess I'm not too worried about how the Raptors do in the playoffs this facts year. on the ground is crazy. Even if they really, like, advance past that. I, I just want to see them play a good brand of basketball. And, yeah, I'm really encouraged. You just want to be happy. I just want to see the Raptors win. It's not a difficult concept to understand. Yeah, I just think five and a half games is too much at this yeah. point, right? Like, the heat and the, pa- the Pacers are cooling down. The heat or the heat, like you're not catching it. You're probably not catching up five and a half games. Like all those teams are five games over 500. It's a yeah. long climb back. I would settle for at this point. First of all, we're getting to watch much more enjoyable basketball, exactly. which is nice. But I think at the start of the season when we all, the three of us were between 40 and 44 wins was uh, our, were our predictions. I would settle for them getting back to that like 40 win pace. Mm-hmm. If they're, you know, the other thing that hangs over trying to make a prediction here is like, well, what if you make a Pascal trade and it makes you short-term worse? Uh, segment two. Yeah, segment two. And probably three. And, and probably Michael four. Grange tomorrow at 2.30. <laughs> oh, Ooh. yeah. We're getting this deal done. <laughs> Grange was trying to get on the program today. I'm like, yo, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, Putting Grange on ice. Yeah, Grange anyways, has got, got something in the clip. 
Uh, Raps. I hope so. Raps finally got off to a quick start last night in uh, downtown San Francisco. Mm. Thought they played with a lot of purpose coming out the gate. Really blitzed the Warriors early and, and cruised to a win. Um, you know, four games in so far in this post OG trade era. Offense looks really good. I think the numbers back that up too. Uh, Will, what's standing out to you about just this new roster and the offense that they have now? They just clearly have more creators and more options to go to. Um, you look at the starting lineup, they got four guys who can handle and create their own opportunities. Thank you. We finally have a nor- proper basketball team. <laughs> yeah, mostly. What uh, took so long, Bobby? We, we also have, and something that um, was pretty evident yesterday, also three guys in the starting group who can post. <laughs> finally. So, a modern-day basketball team. Yeah, like, in pre- <laughs> before this trade, for example, the Raptors go into the, in this matchup, you probably see um, OG getting guarded by Steph. They need to hide Steph somewhere on defense. Mm. And yesterday, they tried to hide Steph on RJ. And you saw RJ go <laughs> off for 37 points, including from the very, like, very, very first shot of the game was the Raptors getting RJ a pin down. Steph trying to go under on this pin down. And RJ confidently stepping into the three, and then RJ in the post scoring over Steph. It's just like you have so many more options with their group. What this also has done is put Dennis on the second unit, and I think that Dennis has been excellent with the second unit. Gary's still more up and down. I thought it was a really good game for Gary yesterday, really good game for Chris Boucher as well. The second unit overall was just very strong, but you just have multiple creators uh, at all times, you can run pick and roll actions. You can get someone on the other side attacking and dribbling off of those two. Um, it's it doesn't feel like a fluke. Like yes, the Raptors are shooting threes well, and um, RJ and, and Chris definitely shot above their career averages last night. But it just in general, there is much better uh, like offensive talent on this team. Blake, is that what you're seeing too? Yeah, I mean, the the fit goes a long way. And and even if you think right this second, OG overall, when you factor in the defensive value and just how many threes he hits at a good clip, if you were to say OG is the best player involved in that trade right now, and the Knicks are like, he's setting Knicks records for plus minus over since the Mm -hmm. trade, it's very much a win-win. You would still look at what the Raptors are doing and be like, well, that trade makes a lot of sense with, where the Raptors' weaknesses were offensively. Like, the amount of times we talked about, hey, could you change the starting lineup or could you change the rotation patterns? Not even because you thought it might be good, but it might be less bad. And and the problem when you would go into all those rotation patterns was there just wasn't enough offensive juice, no matter how you... Because at that point, you're talking about Dennis, Scotty, Pascal. Those were your three guys who you would hope to always have two of them on the floor because otherwise you don't have enough shot creation on the floor and you don't have enough ball handling and passing. And now you can add RJ and quickly to that without taking away from it. Um, even if you're going to over the long run, miss OG's corner shooting ability and mm-hmm. certainly his defense, his defense was very evident by its absence on Friday against Sacramento. Yep. You now have turned three guys that you're trying desperately to keep two on the floor to five guys who can, you can usually have three on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's just a way better structure offensively and a way better structure to the rotation to add two guys that have the offensive packages that they do. And, you know, there is, uh, yeah, there's an element of RJ is not going to shoot 13 of 20 and five of eight on threes every night. But there's also an element of you look, and this was, by the way, a bigger Golden State Warriors lineup than they've been starting. They mm-hmm. started bigger and played Kaminga and Wiggins together. That starting lineup yesterday had only played four minutes together all season. Be, I think, because they looked at the Raptors and they were like, there's so much size. We can't 
we can't also start Pajemski and, and go with only one wing, sure. like one yeah. forward and one center. And that's something, you know, we saw it against the Hawks before the trade that even though they split that series, the Hawks had a lot of trouble with Toronto's size. And you have not really downgraded in size here. And in RJ, you have someone who can, you know, is more of a mismatch attacker, even if he is not as physically large as OG, because he is strong and he does recognize those well. And he does a really, he did this last night too. He does a really good job identifying, hey, who's the weak spot in transition and mm -hmm. and making sure his attack goes at that guy. I mean, everyone did that to Steph yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the benefits too. I'm sure we'll talk about the defense on Steph, but one of the benefits of having Scotty on Steph was that Scotty was able to get like early, early position and make sure that Golden State was scrambling from the, the second uh, a defensive rebound came down. So um, I don't know, just a lot of positives and, and a lot of uh, things just making more sense together right now. Mm. Okay, let's stay on the RJ point because we got to give him his crap. Yeah, we got we got to talk about nine. We yeah. got to talk about nine. Yeah, um, you know, Alex, you don't always text me during the Raptors game uh, <laughs> about the Raptors I'm not game. Watching. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> but you're even I could tell because you're the most cynical out of the three of us. Am I? Okay. I think so. It's pretty clear. Uh, have right. some self-awareness. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. And uh, even you were really, really impressed with RJ. So I'd love to hear what you're seeing from RJ I've, as well. I think I told you, like, the minute that RJ came here and I watched, like, the first game, I've mm. been telling you that, like, I'm actually a fan of RJ. Maybe I can't help but compare what RJ brings on the offensive end to OG just because of the trade. Like, we've watched it so much. Um, and we've talked about it a lot. Like, OG isn't really like a, a creator on offense, right? Like he can get you the corner he's a three. Yeah, yeah, he's a finisher. Whereas like the way I see RJ, the way he plays in transition, like sometimes he'll just take the ball and just become Zion Williamson yeah, at midcourt sure. and just bully through like three people, punch Looney in the chest and like get a layup. And like like you mentioned, the three point, the three point shot is falling maybe more than we, we are expecting. Mm -hmm. But it's like when you put RJ out there, that's another guy when there's like, eight seconds left on the shot clock, I'm perfectly comfortable with him creating a good shot. Mm. And, like, I just... I'm just impressed with him because, like, it's all the intangible stuff, too. Like, he's a hard worker. He takes this stuff seriously. He was benched at the end of that Sacramento game. Not, like, benched. Like, he wasn't oh, in the closing lineup. He was benched, yeah. And They've for, got six guys who yeah. have a case to close, and sure. he was the odd yeah. man out. And for him to, to have this type of bounce-back game um, and explode for the 37, like, I just... I love what he's bringing to this team. And I think all the talk, Blake, like you mentioned, I know you had a great idea of them playing Britney uh, Spears toxic <laughs> um, when he drops a pass. Yeah, that's. I think that should be his Scotiabank Arena drop. Yeah, for uh, people that don't know, toxic. you know, obviously, like he was, he was mentioned by like what leak sources as a toxic asset. because yeah. of his contract. Yeah. And I know he's not the key part of the deal, but I'm so excited about what RJ is going to bring this to this team, like on the offensive end. And I think that something that is obvious about RJ's early success, Quickly's early fit and. Um, you know, it's only four games, so grains of salt and, and those things. But when you look at what wasn't working with the Raptors offense prior to the trade and what was working, and as their half-court offense kind of ticked upward, what was it? It was like, well, okay, you're going to lean a little bit more on Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam because you're the best players and you need to play through them. And those guys were seeing two bodies, three bodies all over the place. And the Raptors, as they were constructed before, really had trouble 
taking advantage of what that does to a defense. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a a handful of, this is not to take credit away from RJ. He had a great game, but a lot of like those half court possessions he had were because Scotty or Pascal drew a ton of attention. And then suddenly the second side of the floor is imbalanced or Mm -hmm. guys are scrambling to close out late. Emmanuel quickly's done a really nice job. Once he gets off the ball, relocating around the attention that Scotty and Pascal are getting. And I think what you're seeing is, you know, we knew that Scotty and Pascal are very good scorers and we're drawing a lot of defensive attention, but the increased ability for the other guys on the floor to take advantage of that rather than the ball kicks out, it swings, and then it's held and the defense resets, mm-hmm. or it goes to a 32% three-point shooter who just can't punish you or whatever. I think this is really taking better advantage of what Scotty and Pascal do for the other guys on the floor too. Yeah, it's it's been nice to watch because you have the off-ball shooter who can also handle in quickly. You have the second side attacker in RJ. So when you generate the initial advantage, someone on the other side, when the ball swings out to them, can capitalize whether that was catch and shoot threes that he did last night, or he can get downhill, which he can do on a consistent basis. Uh, you have Pascal and Scotty who consistently generate paint pressure for you. Jakob is largely just kind of trying to get out the way, but also kind of create space with his uh, screening. And then one-on-one, you have Pascal who can get you a shot. So there's a lot of options that you can go to. And I think what I appreciate about RJ in the comparison to OG is because, look, I don't think it's it's not insignificant to me that OG was here for seven years and RJ in four games has already surpassed his career high as a Raptor. It was 36 against the Knicks mm. two years ago, I think. Um, RJ had 37 last night. They're functionally different players when they drive. So OG is like a much stronger player than, than RJ, just overall, right? But you feel like when OG puts up the ball on the deck, he gets bumped out of position or off balance more so than RJ. Now, RJ is also a really physical guy, but I feel like he actually likes the bumps. He invites the bumps so that he can create the next angle to go out for the shot versus I feel like OG gets cut off and bumped out of his position too often. That's why we also saw a lot of like the balance issues, whatever. It's not even OG and, has and bad OG balance. OG not getting to the line versus RJ being a magnet yeah. for the line, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's all just about like the subtleties of, you know, how RJ does drive the ball. And of course, like in terms of finishing, OG is a stronger finisher by the percentages, but I think RJ puts you into more positions to finish something. So I think for this team, it fits better. Um, but yeah, man, just salute to RJ. Like this is like wildly surpassing what we expected because obviously we were way more expected for quickly than we were for RJ. And here comes RJ. Like he's had a lot of great moments. Yeah. And I think, look, quickly still going to be the guy we evaluate the trade on. If he's the best player in the trade, then it's a win. But um, I have a question for you guys. So RJ has 37 last night. And then you probably hit a point where guys could come out of the game. You know, they're up, they're up 25. Mm. Um, Steve Kerr puts in his bench lineup with, uh, Jerome Robinson, who just looks dramatic. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't know that anyone has ever looked more different once they shaved their head than Jerome Robinson. Had, had trouble picking him up. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's I was a, like, Corey Brewer back yeah, in the league? It's, like, it's bad, that yeah, yeah, it's it was, bad yeah. that I can pick the, pick out Lester Keonis, yeah. but yeah, sure. had trouble with Jerome Robinson. Uh, anyway, so RJ stays uh-huh. in the game. He takes a three. Uh, he misses a, a transition bucket, and then they're like, okay, he comes out. Maybe he was. Maybe they were looking to get him to 40, but also he was one point away, and I don't know if anyone would have been aware of this live because mm. it's an odd thing, and I don't even know if an assistant coach would have picked up on it, but Chris Boucher's has the record for most points by a Canadian for the Raptors yeah, with yeah. 38. He had a couple 30-point games just cooking in the bubble. Do you think Chris Boucher was aware? And, like, like when RJ went up for the 1-3, I was like, is Chris Boucher going to fly out of nowhere and block this? <laughs> like, do you think they know these, these, like, kind of obscure Canadian records and are aware of it? I actually wouldn't 
put it past Darko um, because like I think Darko is a big uh, feelings manager mm. as well as as we're gonna well we can jump ahead like RJ did not get the chain yeah yesterday it and went even, to JAMA even the feelings manager part yeah. though like because you would be so he might want to manage Boucher's you know want to keep Boucher's okay right. record intact okay yeah this is, I was gonna this, say it's, it's this is conspiracy theory this is like I read there was an alien in Florida at a mall this weekend um but. But oh, like, how do you guys spend your weekends, man? Um, My goodness. At the mall. But, like, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't put okay. it past, um, you know, Darko. What did you guys think of the chain? Because RJ, like, straight up said on the broadcast that after he's gonna like, go his walk-away yeah. interview, I'm going to go get yeah, the yeah. chain. So and then it, well, Kayla kind of set him up and yeah. said, Jamma, was like, go get your chain, yeah. Jamma, you know, assistant coach, got the chain because, you know, the Warriors were his scout. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, giving credit. I mean, that was the team he came from after working yeah, there for three years. This seems like this is the problem that I have. And it's so stupid complaining about the chain. But, like, this seems like a premeditated, like, he was going to give the chain to Jamma if they won, regardless. Yeah. Like, it didn't, like, I guess even if RJ went for 37, like, we're not going to change the plan. Like, Jamma <sighs> was getting the chain if we won. I guess the the basis for that other than this is jam against his ex team would be RJ is going to have several chances to get a chain. And our, our thought early in the year, remember there was a while where no one had gotten it a second time. And we kind of assumed he was intentionally spreading it around, make sure Mm, everyone gets a chain. There was a game where like Pascal had 30 and they were like Malachi. (laughs) (laughs) Malachi, you only had one turnover. (laughs) Here's the chain. Uh, Yeah. Uh, um, shout out to Jamma though. I, I did think. Jamma, yeah, yeah. Can 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 I ask you about the defense for yeah, a little bit? Course, because course. a key part of you know what this scout would have been is obviously how do you guard Steph Curry? Of course. And you know OG wouldn't have been the Steph Curry guy, but you don't have Fred anymore. You're not mm-hmm. boxing wanting anymore. You could have put quickly or or Dennis on him. And what the Raptors opted to do instead, Dennis saw time on him off the bench a little bit. But Scotty got the initial assignment. Pascal chipped in on that assignment a little bit. And what they were really trying to do was top lock Steph, which drives him. It basically, you're trying to take away Steph's ability to move off the ball and get free for a three. Instead, inviting him, hey, if you want to cut to the paint, mm-hmm. if you want to use the space inside the arc, that's all yours. We'll take that. But with Scotty's length and Pascal's length, you're able to do that and then trust your backline defense. It, did that kind of crystallize for you, Will, when we've had these discussions about Scotty at the point of attack versus Scotty being kind of a weak side backline helper, that that is kind of what they're going for and what the vision is defensively if Scotty's at the point of attack? I think it's certainly one of the benefits because it's easier to, and it's probably more effective if you're trying to deny Steph from getting to the ball off ball to put a bigger guy on him like uh, like Scotty. And part of the top blocking um, defense is that they were trying to not allow Steph to even use like the the ball screen most yeah. times because uh, he doesn't have the ball. Um, and so I think that kind of mitigates some of it where I feel like for Scotty getting around screens when the, his man already has the ball is more of a challenge for him. He's a bigger body. He has to get around it. I think the Raptors should probably switch more often on those. It's also hard to switch, though, when you have Jakob as your five. Um, in any case, it's just a different matchup. And what's been really interesting to note is how different the job has been for um, Scotty night to night since the trade. It's been four games since the trade. Um, night one, he's guarding Donovan Mitchell. So a guy who is primarily looking to score, has a huge ability to get downhill, but also is a huge pull-up threat. So kind of having to guard that type of score, right? Um, then you end up seeing him guard a lot of point guards, right? You get John Morant the next day. Uh, then you get uh, – and, and the John Morant strategy, 
courtesy of Dennis Schroeder, when he came on our show, he explained that the whole strategy was we want to send him left. Yeah, and let him do that snaky floater range stuff. Yes, instead of the flamingo dribble, <laughs> which was also quite informative and educational. Um, then the night after that, he gets to see De'Aaron Fox. And Fox is such a speed guy, um, but also plays a lot of dribble handoffs. You know, how do you sort of deny him there? And then Steph is his own monster with how much he's off ball. And so every night to night, there's not even just one specific thing that Scotty's doing. Like, it's such a different matchup each time he's gone up against these guys. And I thought last night he did a great job of, you know, not just denying Steph the ball, but helping and rotating and still getting his moments where he's actually helping off of Steph or even helping off just slightly to still contribute some help defense. He had a couple of great blocks that, mm-hmm. you know, sparked a fast break as well. Because I thought it was one of his scoring. best defensive games this yeah, season, if it not really his was. best. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, it, it's it's not a strategy that the Warriors have never seen. Like, they've seen Steph and Clay get top locked before. <laughs> Um, what was also smart about this with no Draymond in the game, Draymond does so much to set up these other guys and play these two-man actions. You just don't see that kind of dynamic level of interaction when it's like Kavon Looney or Dario Sharge or uh, J- Jackson uh, Triggs. <laughs> Triggs Jackson Davis. I kept calling him Jackson Triggs. I don't know. Why did Every you treat him like a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> is Jackson Triggs, is that a wine or a country it's, singer? It's a wine. Okay. Come it's, to LCBO. It's like the $12 bottle of wine. Jan okay. 25th, James Harden <laughs> will be at an LCBO in Toronto. By the way, if we're, we're, if we're trying to book a promotional bit, it's Accolade Wines, I found out, is the, the okay. wine company. I like that. Nice. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. Go on. No, I mean, but yeah, I think Jama did a good job with the scout. Good for Jama. Did, so did he He deserve the chain? I don't, who cares who gets the chain? It's I just do. kind of funny. If you, you're gonna, if, you're gonna, if you guys are going to make a big deal out of yeah. it, you know, it's in every open gym clip. Like, this is the camaraderie. Like, this is the yeah. growth from last year. Then I get to complain about the chain, too. I think This is chain politics. I think what Darko did with the chain is give people more content. Okay. So it's a win. Okay. You know? I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Look, when you win three out of four games, the chain becomes a really fun thing to discuss and, and half jokingly debate again. Yeah. When the chain was coming once every five games for a little bit there, I, w- I was a little chained out. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no that's fair. Um, Where is the open gym clip on, on Jama getting the chain? I need to see that. So uh, shout to that. There was one Warriors fan, a couple of Warriors fans who I think flew in from like really from across the world. Yeah, from Japan. From Japan. Yeah. And wanted to see Steph Curry and they couldn't even see Steph hit a three. Well, yeah. So I guess this is an edited sign because I also saw a version of their sign there's that a, says, we flew 5,500 miles to see you. We want Steve Kerr fired. That was an edited yeah, sign. Yeah, I figured. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, shouts to, um, on the Warrior side, shouts to Steve Kerr starting uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins together after saying that they couldn't play together. For a half. Yeah, so he, I mean, I mean he was proved right. Um, I, I don't know. Wig- by the way, are you... The Wiggins thing is so complex to me. Like, I, I don't understand how the level got this low. Where yesterday he turned down so many shots was like yeah. not really impacting at all on defense. I just I don't I didn't understand that version of Andrew Wiggins. It's uh, he's still in his prime. This is not to say it's all Wiggins, but they are minus one fifty with him on the court and plus one fifty seven with him off the court this year. Damn. That he yeah. is like it's not just him, but him on the floor versus him off the floor has been the difference between like a 48-win pace and a 33-win pace. It's wild. It just doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Like, I, I I understand, like, injuries really, like, dropping your level in the case of Clay, who was pretty good last night. Um, I don't understand what's happened with Wiggins. 
I don't really either. Yeah. I, I do. There's a lot of speculation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and I, I understand a little bit more on the Kaminga side. Alex, do we do we conclude now that like snitching works? Kaminga leaks that and then plays 36 <laughs> minutes the next day and then is back in the starting lineup. Well, I was gonna say there's a report from uh, Monty Poole who covers the Warriors that when Kaminga was benched those last 18 minutes against the Nuggets in their comeback. Joe Lacob actually sat in on Steve Kerr's post-game press conference <laughs> and then to hear Kerr's response to that. Yo. And then the next day, the Shams report that we covered came out that Kaminga, you know, felt like he can no longer like reach his potential there. And like, I think he's hit like season high in minutes since, um, shaved his head. So like um, calling your boss out publicly, it, it might be a good move actually, um, as Kaminga has proved. But what else is there? Oh, so last week we By had... Way, how, did, how would you feel if like... Ed Rogers is sitting on the on the couch right right off the screen right now. Anyways, so last week <laughs> Steve we, Kerr was under pressure in that last, press conference, man. Damn. Last week, last week we played uh, a Warriors uh, spaces clip. We did, um, yeah. Which you know the Warriors should have listened to yesterday because they they should have respected offense because the Raptors <laughs> came through and said respect <laughs> offense. Um, I don't know if this is gonna top it, but we have another oh, Warriors right. spaces clip. Another so Jim Derek, play the clip. Let me let me just tell you real quick. So, if you guys ever heard of the story of Sisyphus in Greek mythology, right? Oh, it's basically this, this one Pablo dude Torre? that's thrown in the depths of hell God, that is like pushing Pablo. up a boulder up a cliff. But every time he almost gets close to the hill, the boulder will always go back down, and he has to do it over and over and over and over again for the rest of his life down in hell. That's what it means when I say Sisyphus. Check, check this transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, this whole analogy is saying that we're just watching the same thing on repeat again and again and again and again. Transition. Let me tell you something. Um, I hear you, boss, but Steph going 2 of 14, (laughs) 9 points, you're never going to win that game. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And that's it. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know, I love basketball discourse. There's so many versions of it. You know, there's like the, the super number side of it. There's a super eye test side of yeah, it. Yeah. There's a super like hot take side of it. Yes, and then there's Stephen like a. the Kendrick like, Perkins, yeah. really flowery, you know, poetic side of it. The Joe Wolf on discourse. Yeah. And yeah. then there's like the film, like super deep into film yeah, version yeah, of yeah, it yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, that was. Steve uh, Jones, Kalen Cooper. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Spaces. And then, and then there's, there's space. I, I got to be honest. It's too, it's too, the War, Warriors fans are too spoiled if they're getting into their Greek philosophy bag already or Greek mythology yeah. bag already. Like Sisyphus did not win four titles. Like he did not push the boulder up the hill and four times out of 10, he won a championship. Yeah. That's, that's not, Sisyphus has zero rings. But that's the thing about sports. It's like no matter how much you win, you, you're just dying to win the next there's one. There's different like, depths. Like there's no exactly. like, oh, Thank you. we're cool with like, we're cool with losing. We're cool with no, watching get, like Lester Canonas. Like, you, no. you gotta get greedy. You you, you just you end more. up getting more and more greedy. Like the yeah. Raptors winning the championship just made me want to see the Raptors win games even more. Yeah, now. sports is gluttony, man. It really um, is. What else, man? Eleven. Eleven is in the rotation now, Blake. <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> um, uh, Jonte. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. You, you, right, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta keep up the numbers, man. <laughs> okay. So, sorry. John, Jonte, who's playing in the same uh, same white games, T-shirt man. that that yeah. Jr. is walking around here in, <laughs> sleeveless in Seattle. Um, yeah. Eleven looked great. I thought. Um, you know, he played some fourth quarter minutes against Sacramento uh-huh. um, on Friday, and you know, since that Memphis game, he's been getting minutes. Well, what have you made of of Jonte in the rotation so far? Yeah, Jonte expert. Yeah, it's been it's been good. Uh, Jonte excellent. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's two of your favorites, by the way. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, he's been he's been solid. I mean, like I, I tried to level set coming out of that feature. Obviously, he's a guy that I, I think could be an NBA guy. Sure. Um, but you saw in that Sacramento game the high and low of it. I thought mm. his first stint in that game was pretty rough, and I didn't mm. expect to see him again in that game. And then he comes in, hits his, a couple of his threes, gets a little bit of his flow going, and was a big part of those units that helped keep that game from getting away from them and helped keep it close for late. I thought he was just uh, just a guy yesterday, but like mm. we're talking about these three games in. Mm-hmm. He's shown you enough at this point, I think, that you know, on Tuesday when they play again, I would expect to see him in that role. Once again, this team needs a backup center right now, even if that's only 10, 11 minutes a game. And I I think he's at least shown you that it's worth a look here. I think the other important piece of it is, and this is not just related to Jonte, it's more about the bench in general, but Chris Boucher looks a lot better in bench lineups that make more sense now. Like, Like when you're not tripling down on the things that guys do wrong, like Chris Boucher and Precious Achua and Jalen McDaniels all trying to play together. You now have like a big out there who can set the screens and space a little bit. Boucher doesn't have to be spotting up all the time. You've got ball handlers who can get Boucher the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, You still have not a ton of shooting. So Boucher gets to get all those offensive rebounds. It's uh, (laughs) it's good. I don't, I don't, sorry to turn a Jonte question into a Chris Boucher question, but I I do think Jonte's small minutes presence here as the ninth man does kind of, you know, crystallize that, yeah, the, even the bench groups now make a little bit more sense. Yeah, no, because I did want to talk about Deuce 5 as well. Deuce um, 5? <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> oh, my God. Van Sank? Uh, I want to talk about Van Sank. <laughs> Fred Van Sank? Because he had a monster game against Sacramento. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, he did. And, like, kind of that, that's, st- like, that's the, like, quintessential Chris Boucher game. Yeah. And I thought he brought that last night as well. And I am curious, like, are we just seeing a kind of like a positive blip in his performance? Or do you think this is something like Blake mentioned, like now with this new roster, it kind of makes sense for him now. He's totally capable of big games. Like we've, we've mm-hmm. seen this um, yeah. with Chris. It's just about the consistency and like how many mistakes he manages to sort of cut out. And I thought yesterday was as close to like a perfect Chris Boucher game that we've seen, mm-hmm. like in a baseball analogy, oh, Chris God. like threw seven innings and gave up two walks. You know what I mean? And struck out nine guys. Like, Joe he Coy gave me a prime A.J. Burnett. Like, no, oh it God, was, man. like, aside from leaving Sarge open for two threes in the second quarter, he did everything well. I mean, 7 of 7 from the field speaks for itself. But there were even sequences where, you know, uh, the Raptors were playing zone. And, and credit Darko, too. I thought there's, their zones worked really well against the Warriors' second unit. Um, and that kind of flipped the momentum of the game back in favor of the Raptors when the Raptors were losing it a little bit to start the second quarter. And Chris in that zone was able to cut off a, a drive, then double team on the baseline, then cut off another drive, help in the lane, cut off another drive, close out, contest a three, and then run out ahead of the pack, Euro step, throw it back out, and then, you know, draw three defenders into the paint with that hard drive and that set up RJ for three. Like, that was all in the span of, like, 30 seconds, and he made, like, six plays. And I just think that sometimes it's something where you just got to appreciate, like, not everybody's going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, mm. It's it's the amount of energy that he puts into that, and for sure, if you got to make six plays in thirty seconds, chances are pretty good you're going to make one or two errors in that. But I thought Chris actually did a great job of just not making pretty much any errors last night. So and the shot you're talking about, Pajemski rushed it like Boucher was Wemby, like that's that's I mean, how well Boucher was barreling down, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, to beat everyone down the you were the shot contest in the corner, and you beat everyone down the floor still. Yeah, um, I thought it was good, and look. 
the truth is, is that Chris Boucher should not have been out of the rotation no. as much as he was this year. He should have been playing more minutes, but he is 30 years old and they wanted to get an extended look at Precious Achua again to see, you know, if he was going to be a part of the future plans or not. They wanted to get Jalen McDaniels a look because they signed him to a two-year deal. And, you Another know, we've, Duffy client, we've right. already heard rumblings that Sign Chris... Signed him to William Nylander money. <laughs> That is almost exactly Boucher's contract. Um, But like teams want Boucher. We we started to hear that around the league. So maybe they decided, hey, if we got to split Harris here, Boucher's the odd man out as a 30-year-old who could potentially be dealt. But that was never a merit discussion. Mm -hmm. It was a Mm -hmm. fit discussion. And uh, we have to pick two of these three guys to play who makes sense. Boucher has done a lot with the minutes that he's been given um, when he's gotten them this year. And I think this just kind of affirms that he's a, Quality bench big in the NBA. It's no, there are not very many bench guys out there who are going to look good in ill-fitting situations and who are going to change games for you night to night. But if we go in with bench player expectations, Boucher is a really good piece. Um, I liked your point about Jonte just being really steady alongside of him Mm -hmm. because that's my biggest takeaway for Jonte is just I have not been stressed about him at all. He yeah. just comes in and, and does his job. The anti-pressure. And he clocks out. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no, like, big mistakes. He's not really jumping all that much. Um, he's not trying to do too much. He's taking shots within the rhythm of the offense. Yeah. Emmanuel slowly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that steadying presence alongside of Chris, who's, like, you know, running around hair on fire, is actually kind of nice. <laughs> they really running around. Yeah, like, before it was just <laughs> him and Precious doing that. And I was like, all right, guys, like at a certain point, we got to stop doing this. Yeah. But I, I'm enjoying the combo so far. Yeah. A couple, uh, couple of quick things before we take the break. Um, so uh, Trey Deuce, that's Otto Porter. Um, <laughs> Yo, you're killing me with these. Man. Trey Deuce um, finally got his 2022 championship ring. Last night. Didn't have to wait as long as Danny Green did mm-hmm. for his Raptors. Danny Green ring. waited over a thousand days. Yes, per J. Lou of the other yeah. other network. He counted the days. I think Otto was around five hundred days. Yeah, five hundred days. I wanna of say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Danny Green took as long so like right now Roman Reigns has the longest WWE title oh, reign shoot. in modern history, and it's oh, about as long as it took Danny Green to get his ring. This guy yeah. really has the, the Danny title Green as long took as a, a Roman whole, rain. Yeah, Danny yeah. Green took a whole Hulk Hogan, peak Hulk Hogan championship run <laughs> to get his ring. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, you know, Van Sank posted a photo Vince. on on IG on the team plane after the game because Otto was flashing his, like, phone light yeah. into the ring, like, studying his championship ring. And I think uh, Chris posted a caption of just like, oh, the first one is obviously always the most special. And it did make me, like, remember, like, Chris is kind of a vet in that situation in that he got oh, yeah. a ring. With the Raptors, and, like, he's been through this. Chris yeah. was also on a Warriors championship team as a two-way and didn't that's get a ring because oh, he was right. uh, no longer with the. It's a weird – I remember Damn. when the Raptors won the championship, Jordan Lloyd became the first two-way player to win – to get a ring yeah. because Chris Boucher had been the only two-way on the Warriors the year prior and didn't get a ring. And you guys forget so, – Revenge game last night for Boucher, too. Uh, seriously, uh, you guys forget that Chris is Otto's vet. <laughs> what Chris, is he, like two Chris months older, older than, than Chris, Otto? Chris Boucher is six months older than Otto Porter. Yeah, How does that wild. make sense? Like, in my mind, it just like... Yeah. No, that that is wild. I always, like, Otto yeah. Porter was guarding DeMar in a playoff series while Chris Boucher was still, like, getting his feet wet at Oregon. Yeah. But this is... I mean, this is part of grind now, shine later, of, like, Boucher <laughs> nice. getting such a late start to his career. Chris, That's actually the name of his doc. Is, yeah. it, is that why you used it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Chris is always, he's always going to be 25 to me, like Keyshawn. Yeah. Um, like, it's just like <laughs> one of those things. Well, it's like JR is always going to be 22. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of JR and his love of Tommy Hilfiger. Um, lastly, you know, the pizza party came close on Friday. 
So and close that North of Brooklyn reached out. Yes, North of Brooklyn reached out to That's you. That's North of Brooklyn. To Aaron Rose. <laughs> no, Aaron Rose I, reached out, actually. <laughs> I, I squeezed myself in there as well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, how did it feel, Will, coming down the stretch there, a little fourth quarter comeback? Seemed like they had a shot. Were you looking up toppings? Were you thinking about hooking up the crew today? Like, oh, yeah. I was totally going to hook you guys up. Yeah. Can um, you still do it with your knots. own money? Yeah, I, I tweeted. You, yeah. The garlic knot's got to come with that yeah. package. Yeah. Okay. Okay. By the way, we got to go to yeah. Anyway, there's there's a, there's a bar that uh, North of Brooklyn operates out of on Geary as well. Oh, okay. quite good. There's like a Geary Trent Jr. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what are we guys. doing today? Man? Well, Sorry, they win games. Budget. We just got silly. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed that Sacramento game. Like, of course, it was frustrating to see when Sacramento just couldn't miss from three. Yeah. But you kind of figure that like, okay, they're gonna cool off eventually, and when they when they kind of did, the Raptors did have the opportunity to cut it in. And, yeah, I mean, the fact that quickly was actually fouled going off for the last second shot, and I, I don't know. I got to look at it closer. Was his foot on the you're, line you're, or not? You're approaching Daryl Morey audit territory. No, no, no. But I'm, what I mean is like, it kind of validated the effort to me. No, sure, sure. You sure, know, sure. like, that they, they fought through against a team that made 21 threes. Yeah. And then the next game they scored, like, 80 points. Oh, yeah, they lost by, by the 60 to the Pelicans? Yeah. yeah. So, by, the, by the way, an 86% free throw shooter would go three for three at the line about 63% of the time. So about yeah. a two-thirds chance if he gets that foul call, we're going overtime. Yeah. Well, well, there would be enough time for the Kings sure. to get the ball back, and maybe they take like a 20% shot or 30% were, shot or whatever. The Raptors were defending so well that game, though. Uh, <laughs> by, by the way, the... By the way, Sabonis <laughs> had fouled out, too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And so, yeah. you know. Yeah, by the way, yeah. the... Um, you know, I think we all love that Keegan Murray call and response. Change. Oh, yeah, yeah. Keegan. So yeah. Can we do that at Scotia Bank Arena? Van, sing. No, no. <laughs> Jalen McDaniels. Uh, Got to be no? two syllables no. on both sides, right? <laughs> no. no I think we could actually do it for Emmanuel quickly, though. You could do it for RJ Barrett, for the quickly. cadence of it. Two syllable, two yeah, syllable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually want Raptors fans to pick up on that. Like, why let's, don't we? Let's create a vibe. Let's create no. an atmosphere again. Why don't we do that? Like, Okay. Anyway, shouts to Aki and Ricky at Bear Steak Sandwich. I had to cash in on some free food this weekend after missing out. Oh, somebody got a free pizza party then. Gave me a free steak sandwich. They're big, big, big supporters of the show. So oh, okay. Where's, where's the shop? Uh, Little Italy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. down. No, they're, they're popping. They don't need us to promote them. Oh, word? All right. Oh, they're, they're like beyond popping. Sorry, I was not familiar with your, 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 <laughs> your, your shop. But Damn, that's a good looking sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we should go in sometime. Hey, congrats to the bear as well. Yeah, not to Joe Coy though. <laughs> yeah. Wait, uh, but, sorry, this is so off time, but the bear, w- did I see right? It won in a, the comedy, comedy category? Yeah, comedy. Family trauma is comedy. It's yeah. kind of funny. It's a trauma. It's a Just because something is funny is doesn't make it a comedy. Yeah, I agree with you. It's f- fully a drama series. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but congrats though, you know? It's yeah. great to see them. Uh, Please watch uh, another show. Um, <laughs> yeah, so when we come back, uh, Pascal, Rumors, Savannah will join us. All right. Second hour, and then we'll go around the NBA and talk about Milwaukee's equipment manager and other things. Yeah, the vibe is coming down after this break, but... uh, They are? Well, maybe. But anyway, I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Malou. Continue to be joined by Blake and Alex. Uh, we are going to get to the daily part of the show where we have to discuss Pascal Siakam trade rumors. So, Alex, what we got, man? Yeah, so there's a lot of buzz on Friday 
um, heading into the pizza game against Sacramento about the Kings and Raptors potentially being in discussions mm. on a trade for Pascal Siakam. And a friend of the program, Shams Sharania, the Riz God, actually talked about it today on his uh, show, Run It Back, which he stole mm. from us. <laughs> Run okay. It Back is one of 10 like most common basketball show names, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and he said that, quote, I'm told the Raptors and Kings were in active conversations about a Pascal trade revolving around Harrison Barnes. Um, and at that point, and at this point, he says the only way that it'll reignite again is if Toronto comes back to Sacramento. So based on what we heard too, Michael Grange reported that according to league sources, the Kings were not going to make Keegan Murray available and that they weren't interested in paying Pascal the full max contract because they already are on the hook for full max deals for DeMontis Sabonis and De- De'Aaron Fox. So I guess by all accounts at this point, it doesn't look like they'll make um, good trade partners. No, I don't think Sacramento offered what the Raptors need, which is like, okay, if you're going to put Keegan Murray in this deal, we can have a discussion. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, then no, there's not. The rest of the pieces aren't appealing to me. No, you'd have to cobble something together that includes, you know, Kevin Herter, who has two more years left at, at like $37 million. Yeah. That's, to me, is a, you know, if in a bigger deal, that's a reasonable enough flyer. He's 25, he's played yeah. well. But it can't be the headline item for a guy who's been all NBA well, and Harrison all-star. Harrison Barnes, the headline yeah, item. Yeah, I mean, now. Harrison Barnes, the headline salary matcher. <laughs> uh, but even Harrison yeah. Barnes, like, we talked about this with Wiggins, how much extra you need to get back to take on that salary. That's not the case for Harrison Barnes. He's a much better player than this, a much better value. But he's got two years left at $37 million total. Like, that's a... that's a 37 for Harrison Barnes? Total oh, over total, two years. Total. Not not per. Uh, that's but, still a lot, actually. Yeah, and like, how old it's, is he? It's tradable. He's 31. Okay. Um, it's he's tradable, old, but like, it's not a great... Uh, like, that's... You're doing that just to make the salary math work. Yeah, so yeah. then you're looking at Kevin Herter, and it's like, okay, he's already gotten paid. He's had a down year where he's fallen out of the rotation at times. What else can that look like? And then if Keegan Murray's not on the table, you know, I like Keon Ellis. He's a two-way player. Davion Mitchell has the best nickname in basketball, but, like, I don't know that you can have him on the floor at the end of games given the offensive limitations, and he's already 25. He's He was a really old prospect uh, coming in. So then you... It just gets a little hard to, A, a deal is going to have to send so many pieces that Sacramento thins out, and B, none of those pieces as a headline item in a trade yeah. probably satisfy the Raptors and certainly not the fan base to let go of, you know, one of the the top six, arguably top five players you've had in franchise history. Yeah, you didn't even list a, a guy in there that I feel confidently would start for the Raptors. Vizinkov? Oh. I mean, sure, I guess they could <laughs> throw in Sasha Vizinkov, but they don't use all that much. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You talking Malik Monk or wait, who's the name that I didn't mention? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, all, out of all those names, oh, like, you none, none of them would start. Like Long term gotcha. starters for the yeah. Raptors. No, so this is like a poopy platter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Monk's cool, but like Monk's also an expiring contract heading into UFA, and I just don't think the Kings, like, if the Kings were adding a Siakam type, I don't think they're going to take away one of their best options to play off of yeah. Siakam and Malik Monk anyway. So. Okay. It is great timing that the Raptors are on this road trip. And so the front office be on the road trip. <laughs> Visiting all the trade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just reporters on the ground being like, wow, he's having a chat with Alvin Gentry. Wow. They're having a chat with uh, Mike Dunleavy. Mike Dunleavy yesterday. It's like, all right, cool. Poo-poo platter. <laughs> this is my <laughs> I'll tell you who we won't be having a chat with later this week. Lawrence Frank. Oh, no, I doubt those conversations. Yeah, I want to uh, see those take photos. Place. Yeah. I want Frank. Um, I want to see Masai have a conversation with Kawhi, man. I want to see Masai dressed up at LeBron's 39th birthday party. Check those photos, guys. Um, Grange also reported that the Warriors aren't interested 
in parting with Jonathan Kaminga. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that, quote, a not insignificant detail is that Kaminga is said to have a very close relationship with Warriors owner Joe Lacob. Oh, word. Who has historically been reluctant to part <laughs> okay. with any of the young talent that represents the Warriors' so-called two-timeline strategy. Mm. So, yeah, no Jonathan Kaminga for now. I guess my bigger question for you guys is because I know we've talked about Kaminga. We talked about Keegan Murray. Are the Raptors in a position where they have not a lot of leverage or do you think this is going to change in the weeks leading up to the deadline? Because right now all these teams are basically just saying, yeah, we're not going to give you the player that you want. I mean, this is how negotiations go until they get to the actual deadline itself. But also knowing that Pascal is obviously running up to free agency, Mm -hmm. even though all indications are he would accept an extension on May 31st. Yeah, I mean, so from my understanding of this, any team... That would first okay. If the Raptors were to trade Pascal Siakam, this is at least in my mind how it should go. They need to make that decision. We are moving on from Pascal. We are not signing him to this extension. Mm-hmm. We are instead then going to trade you. So then you would go to him and his representation and communicate that thought. We are not resigning you. We are uh, not extending you. We are going to trade. And so at that point, you would then ask for a list of teams that they probably would be interested in going to or having a conversation about extending or re-signing in that new location. Mm. Extension is pretty much off the table now because it's only yeah. two years. So let's say teams that he'd be interested in re-signing with, you get that list from them and then you go to those teams and then you can actually have a real conversation about we are going to trade value for value because right. this is a player that's going to stay with you long term. From my direct knowledge on this, that has not happened. There has been no communication where opposing yeah. rival teams have reached out to the Pascal side to be like, hey, would you resign here? Because otherwise we're going to get into this trade talk. So mm. that's where when the Sacramento thing was happening, I was like, I'd be surprised if they do this because there's no contact on that front. Mm-hmm. And look, the reality is when you have someone's bird rights, you can exceed the cap to resign them. That's a big factor in this, but it's yeah. not everything. And we saw with Fred Van Vliet, the Raptors, you know, had had at least the fallback plan of like, well, maybe we'll sign and trade him because we have his bird rights and only a team with enough cap space could mm-hmm. sign him away. These things do happen. It's not insurance. And because he can't, and and where I feel about, you know, whether Siakam's camp would tell an inquiring team, yeah, we'd be interested in re-signing, where I have trouble with that even mattering that much anymore is the window's kind of gone by. Like, even if Pascal were to say to the Kings, yeah, I'd consider re-signing at at the end of the season, you know, use the bird rights on me, go over the cap, Mm -hmm. we can figure this out. Sacramento has no way to get an assurance of that anymore. The time, the time, the window's gone. I mean, they like you can do a verbal, but we've seen yeah. we've seen things change really quickly in the NBA before. And well, you would we have, just do that last year with Jakob. Like Jakob was expiring, we traded for him anyway with actual value, with the full knowledge that he was going to resign yeah, with us. But James Harden was, you know, opting out and signing a max deal with Philadelphia. And that was going to take, you know, or, or he yeah. was going to get traded to Houston and that mm-hmm. would take Houston's cap space off the table and then yeah. Fred Van Vliet would have to stay. Like, things change. And I'm not saying that Pascal's camp would be would say one thing and do another. What I'm saying is if I'm a team mm-hmm. that's acquiring him, that, hey, we'd be interested in re-signing when you can't actually do it yet yeah. is not as comforting as had you done this in the of offseason course. where you have the actual window to extend. And I think that applies more to, like, Indiana-type teams that yeah, have to be really careful about when they give up assets and what they can and can't lose in free agency. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a factor for some teams. Yeah. But anyway, my point is the approach hasn't come from the Raptors right. to say, we're going to have that conversation about trading you. And we have made this decision to do that. 
And then there also hasn't been conversations from opposing front offices being like, would you resign here? Because that would tell me that those teams are interested in trading. So there's a lot of noise still, but I think a key part is that that hasn't happened. And until I hear differently about that and I can report differently on that, like that's, you know, these are just more teams interested in Pascal, but kind of cursory interest. Yeah, and, and to be honest, we're a month out from the trade deadline still. Yeah, the o- the OG sure. trade happening when it happened kind of shifted the timelines on us a little bit here where it is pretty rare for this early in January talks to really heat up. You start to hear, like, this is supposed to be the time of year we start hearing, well, the Raptors are still, you know, listening to offers on Pascal Siakam. The Bulls would listen to offers on Zach Levine. But we're already, like, months into that, and then the OG trade kind of kick-started what we conceive to be trade season a, a couple weeks earlier than we normally see. Like, last year, there were 15 deadline week deals and 12 of them came down to the wire if i'm remembering right and like happened on deadline day it's pretty rare for this stuff to pick up now so maybe those conversations just aren't happening the other thing and this would be the negative take on what you're reporting here will from the raptors perspective is even if those teams would want to sign pascal longer term Mm. they're treating these trade negotiations as a pure rental and that's why it hasn't got to that stake either because you're telling messiah and company hey, we're, we can't be assured. We contractually yeah. cannot sign him to longer term. So we're only talking about this at rental prices. Yeah, there's back channels and stuff like that. But There is, but I'm it, saying yeah. that like, if you were negotiating for a trade, why wouldn't you take that stance at least until, you know, Masai calls you back and is like, we got a deal. You got to move on it or not. That's why it sounds like there's Harrison Barnes on the table and not Keegan Murray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys can talk more about um, 43 in the, um, in the next segment. <laughs> With I mean, what else is there to say? You know, that's, well, you, that's... you know, I think you guys should dive into also, you know, J. Lou wrote a really good piece um, spotlighting a bit of a divide between the front office and Pascal and things like that. So uh, more 43 talk in the second hour. All right. I guess you forced me into doing it. So <laughs> we're going to take this break. Been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. <laughs> and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm joined by co-host Blake Murphy and... We will be joined on the line, I think, by Savannah Hamilton. Or is Savannah already there? Sorry, producer. I missed a note in my ear. Savannah is not there yet, but Savannah will join us remotely. Uh, she is obviously on the road with the Raptors um, as they travel now to L.A. What a road trip to be on. Obviously, I have done the the beat writer uh, traveling with the team at times. And uh-huh. I, I got to tell you, man, a, Sacramento, whatever. You, you have time for Sacramento or you don't. It's not the liveliest of cities. But San Francisco and then multiple days in L.A. because it's a, you're playing both the Lakers and the Clippers, this is the dream. That's, this is the, that's dream the dream trip. Yeah. Other than, like, maybe if you can get, like, two out of the three of New York, Chicago, Boston with an extra off day in New York, mm-hmm. maybe that tops it. But tough to beat uh, San Fran and a couple of days in L.A. As a, as a media trip. So 
I've the only time I've actually traveled to cover the beat itself was the championship run, which was awesome. Um, but you've done like more of these uh, back when you were at the athletic, and I'm curious, like, did you, did you have to fight Eric Kareen over these? Where you're like, Eric, uh, I'm getting first dibs over this LA trip. No, so it, it's uh, we would sit down and, and playoffs is a different thing. So even yeah, yeah. in the championship run, Eric traveled all through the playoffs. I only travel for rounds three and four yeah. um, because you know just budgets and things like that. That's but fine. what we would do at the start of the year is basically that Kawhi shot open up the bank yeah, for you to go exactly. <laughs> um, uh, they no, they would like give us a, a budget for the year, not like X number of games. And Eric and I would have you. to sit down and, and try to chop that up. And Eric was more of a, I mean. San Fran was a contested one because mm-hmm. the athletics head office was also there. So you want to get there and get some FaceTime and okay. stuff like that. Right. It's usually part of a cool, bigger trip. Um, but Eric usually made the New Orleans trip his first pick, whereas I was oh, yeah. more focused on the other Northeast cities That's like New, New York, Chicago, Boston. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, so he, I don't we'll know. Call he call Mamba in the next one. Yeah, I there you go. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We would get like between the two of us, we do like 25 games or whatever. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. The very last, uh, the very last trip I did was the one where I came off the road right into quarantine oh, that's because right. uh, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert invented COVID and touched all the microphones, and <laughs> oh, I had been. Man. That was a six, a six game, eleven day trip, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, I remember. I remember that game. OG fought uh, Rudy Gobert in that game, and there was concern because it was like. But Rudy got the vid. That and, was also uh, the uh, the trip with the uh, Nuggets game that we talked about the other day where he had seven steals and yes. put up like 30 yeah, plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Joining us on the line is Savannah who, um, yeah, Savannah, we were just burning time here and talking about life on the road. I mean, you've gotten used to life on the road the last couple of years. So where are you at now? Um, I mean, we're in beautiful Beverly Hills. Oh, so get out nice. of here. Get out well, of here. Wow. No wonder you look uh, so happy and joyous. Yeah, certainly not where I was staying on uh, on a more shoestring budget, uh, Airbnb style in the, the L.A. stops. But glad uh, glad it's suiting you well, Sav. Yeah. Um, okay, Thank so, you very much. So, yeah, Sav, you've been, um, you've been on the road because there's been a couple notable things that's happened on the road. And it's been a while since I've seen you. Typically, you know, we get up to the 600 booth and then we chop it up and you know, I asked you these questions there. So I kind of just wanted to catch up with you a little bit. Um, you were there for Detroit in that game, right? When the trade happened and everything like that. Tell us oh, about yeah. that day and what, what what's uh, standing out to you from there. Oh, man. Well, we flew in uh, for, where were we? The, I think the night before we were in Washington, I believe. Um, no, we Boston. flew in. Boston. Sorry, Boston. Yeah. It's all turning into a blur for me already. Right. Um, so we flew in from Boston, got literally into Detroit, at, I believe, three in the morning that's Mm. when we were in our hotel room uh and then you know we whatever we go to sleep i was trying to be ambitious and i'm saying i told myself i'll go to the gym in the morning (laughs) as if um i ended up sleeping right through my alarm and stuff like that i wake up to a text message from my friend that sent me the woge tweet of saying og just got traded oh and i was hosting the pregame show for that like day on nba tv canada Uh so just threw away my scripts because the big storyline of the day was going to be the losing streak and seeing if the Detroit Pistons were going to set a new record. Um, and now it was about OG and then RJ and and quickly. So, uh, yeah, so that was pretty jarring. Uh, and I know for myself, like, that was the first time that, you know, I had a show at the same time that there was a, a live trade made on the same day. So that was an interesting experience. Um, but a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of, 
pointers taken away and then and luckily being surrounded by the pros um we got through it just fine what yeah. was the mood of the the group at that time sorry like when you got down to the game for example and you saw the players like was there like a noticeable like oh damn because there was so much discussion after the game about how much the, the people side of the business you lose a lot of your players in these kind of trades what was the mood like from the players that day you know when i by the time i got to the arena because um of all the news happening i was hit up by uh, different people and had to run and chase scrums and go to coaching presses so like the mood more so in the arena and then as the players were coming out to warm up like you know you could tell that they're putting their like professional face on um but the energy was something there's just something in the air like you can't put a tangible thing i can't tell you exactly what it is but you can just tell when someone's like they're just they're there but like are they really there type of thing oh, wow. um and and so that's how it kind of felt. And I think that's how like everybody was kind of wrapping their minds around the fact that like, hey, OG was a part of the franchise for a long time. He was a staple. Um, he is Scotty Barnes's friend. I know that Scotty was approached in the locker room and actually I was going to go approach him potentially in the locker room as well. But sure enough, like he just completely, like he was asked if he wants to speak and he just said no. Mm. And just kept it moving. Um, and you know that's scotty barnes's first big trade seeing somebody like his colleagues get traded right uh so that's kind of that's kind of tells you where at least scotty's state of mind was mm -hmm. with pascal pascal has been here done that before um doesn't make it much easier of course but as he put it in the press conferences afterwards that he's like they expect us to be ro like robots that's basically what we're paid to to do to be um, and we just got to keep professional. We got to win games, and we just got to keep it moving, basically. So, you know, when you when you hear stuff like that, and you hear like, hey, one player just doesn't want to talk to me at all. Another player is just telling you that it feels like a robot. Like that's that's that sense in that in that day. So, that kind of explains it. It's also, I think, the difference between being maybe not a seller's move, but making a trade when you're losing versus making a trade when you're winning. Because I was on the road uh, during the championship season at the trade deadline. So they play that game against Atlanta where they only have eight guys. Yeah, I remember that game. And, you know, because Kawhi's sitting that one. Jordan Lloyd actually got, like, real minutes in that game. Yeah. It was, like, the only time all year. Um, and that one was, like... It was the same kind of chaos, but it was so fun. It was like New York the next game. It's like, is Mark gonna, Gasol going to debut? Is he going to clear his physicals in time? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there's Malcolm Miller. He must have got called up from the G League. That, that one is a lot more fun, whereas this one, I think, was A, you know, it's happening while you're losing. B, it's happening while you're losing to the Pistons uh, in a record-setting mm -hmm. game. And C, it's a trade where you don't know if that's the only thing that's going to happen. You don't know what that says about the direction. Whereas when you're in a win-now situation, you know that whatever chaos you're dealing with is to make the team better to move toward the playoffs. There's a lot more uncertainty with this one. Um, Sab, obviously it's only four games, and obviously wins make the vibes better but you if you compare right now to that december 30th game in detroit and what it felt like after how big a vibes whiplash has this been getting the new guys in there and seeing how it all works and feels i wouldn't call it really a whiplash quite um uh, it's not like you know everyone is celebratory per se because i feel like the wins are something that are expected of you you know i think I think if anything, they're happy that they're starting to live up to expectations more than, you know, accomplishing something amazing here. So I feel like they're just like, okay, we're kind of, we're getting back on track. 
that's what it that's what I get the sense of. So no one's overjoyous. I think whatever, you know, we as media selfishly, we love covering winning teams because everyone's so easy to talk to and everyone has been a lot more um open and and sharing like, hey, what is working versus nobody really wants to talk about what's not working per se. Um, and so that's kind of like what's been the adjustment, I'd say, at this point in time. Um but like that being said, like, you know, it's it's not like it's uh, you know, they're they're not missing OG in terms of like you could you could sense it. It's just more so like, hey, we're adjusting to these new guys. It's still a process. The results are starting to speak for themselves in how this is all played out so far. And we're just gonna keep rolling with it. And if we we win more games, then the more the merrier. Yeah. Um Okay, another media question, and we'll get to the actual games and stuff too, but it's just been a while, and this is typically how we would talk. Uh, yeah. How have uh, RJ and Emmanuel been to, like, interview and stuff, like, in terms of just, like, behind the scenes, just getting to talk to them and stuff like that? Like, this is a big change in their life, but um, how have they been to deal with so far? So Emmanuel is a very, very happy, positive guy. Okay, you can definitely uh, tell. He's, like, skipping help. on the court all the time. By the, yeah, by yeah. the skipping. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> He's uh he's pretty easy to talk to. Uh, he's always ha he literally always has a smile on his face. Like it will be a competition between him and Scotty for who smiles more. Right now, I think IQ might be in the lead. Mm. Um, outside of that, uh, uh, RJ he is also he's great. He's professional. He's a like a lot like his dad, just very like polished and and like in terms of his answers. Um, however, he's concise. He reminds me a little bit of OG in that way, but he's not as short as OG. Yeah. Um, and so he'll give you a little bit more meat on a bone, but like he's still very concise with his words and definitely professional and mature. It feels like RJ's been a pro for like 10 years now. He kind of has for been. Real. Like when he was like a huge top prospect. I mean, his he was dad like was a 16 pro. and practicing at the Canada Basketball Senior Men's. Like I yeah. remember going there for like actual men's team stuff and you look over and like RJ's doing one-on-one -on -one drills and stuff there and like he's not doing media then but you go to right. Duke right. you're gonna do you're gonna get your media training it, it honestly it reminds me a lot of like how every hockey player in Canada from the time they're 15 onward knows how knows oh, exactly yeah. to say only the cliches RJ's a lot more insightful and, and open uh -huh. than that but that like level of yeah I've been doing media since I was 16 in the city of Toronto I'm I'm ready to go. Only time we've seen uh, RJ crack up so far is when he t tried to uh, bring Emmanuel quickly directly to Osmo <laughs> upon landing in Toronto. <laughs> Which I, to defend to defend Osmos and RJ Barrett, the Osmos location in Mississauga, the original one in Streetsville, that one is like really really good. So I, I get where RJ is coming you from. You telling as a me the Osmos I had in Sudbury last summer is not the uh, same quality as the original? Not not quite, but shots to Oswalds in general. You know, salute, <laughs> salute um, I, I suppose. Uh, okay, let's talk about basketball. <laughs> the encore fit, um, we're seeing it a lot better now. RJ with a career performance, um, at least as a Raptor yesterday, 37 points. He's had more than that uh, with New York. What are you seeing from his encore fit in terms of slotting in? Because expectations are really high for Emmanuel, and I think he's kind of got there to some degree. But for RJ, it feels like this like brilliant surprise to see what he did last night. Yeah, um, I think he's been definitely a pleasant surprise. And I'm thinking that, like, the fit so far, I mean, like, just, like, look at strictly results 
only like it's been relatively seamless. I think in the Sacramento game um, is where a, maybe like a little bit of a drop off happened in the fourth quarter. Um, but other than that, like you really can't point to too much. All things considered, being on like just placed on a brand new team with new plays, with new terminology, and all, and and then thrown on the road, let alone. So you know you got to give him a lot of credit. And then you know yesterday at the at the press conference. You know, he talked to me, to me about, he's like, I just want to help my team. I'm like, well, you helped them with 37 points. So, yeah, you did it. You did a good job with that. Yeah. Um, and I was asking him even, like, what's working for him uh, in terms of, you know, even his three-point shot. Like, there was one point in the first half where he had five. He, made, he was hitting five for six from three, and the entire Warriors team were, like, five for 25 from three. Um, and so I was like, I asked him like, what's working? And then he said, it's kind of like the system here, the ball movement. And that's actually something that has been the biggest adjustment, I think for, uh, quickly and RJ has been the fact that they're not used to the ball movement here. Cause I remember talking to RJ and he's like, yeah, did you know that in our first two games, we had 25 assists and like talking to me as if that's a lot. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're used to seeing the numbers in the assist range in the 30s and then even the 40s this season. And so I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Raptors. Like we, they they actually pass the ball. Um, that's kind of like the style of play that they that they run here. Um, and so he said that like the last night, he's like, yeah, I like the fact that they they're really quick with moving the ball and like that kind of like everybody gets a touch uh, and you can contribute in different ways through that way as well. So. Um, I think the style is just really working for RJ here. And I think this is kind of something that he needed because, you know, looking at uh, where he was in New York, he wasn't getting as much of a role. Um, and, to, and just in his, in his results were varied. A lot of times people were saying he was inconsistent. And so far, like with the Raptors, he's not going to probably have a 37 point night every night. I, I wouldn't put that expectation on him personally, but you know, do I think that he's going to continue to grow and evolve with his team? And something that coach Darko said that he really liked from what he saw from RJ was his playmaking ability. Like he's a guy that knows what he's doing with the ball, but doesn't need the ball. And that's a huge, like, like uh, uh, asset to have on this team. So I'm very impressed with RJ so far. Sav, you mentioned there, RJ, you know, pointing out the system and the ball movement there and his conversations with Darko. Now that the pieces seem to fit a little bit, there are more options offensively, certainly, and the defense is maybe a separate thing that'll take a little longer. But on the offensive side, do you think we've started to and will continue to get a better sense of, Darko as a head coach now that there are a few more tools a few more weapons and the answer to everything isn't well you only got six guys or or uh things of that nature you know they were at one point the worst three-point shooting and free throw shooting team in the league there's a little bit more offensive punch now you think we'll learn a little bit more about Darko this next little while than we did maybe in the first 20 games or so so it's funny because before this trade I said I feel like something has to happen with this team before we could give Darko a fair critical analysis um, because essentially it was the same team from last year's Nick Nurse's team with kind of similar, if not slightly dipping results. And so it wasn't, it, I just didn't feel like it was a fair, a fair plane for, for Darko to be assessed on solely. Um, and so now that we have two new assets and clearly this has added depth, because even Steve Kerr in the press conference commented 
uh, and said that the Raptors are a lot more deep with a quickly and a, a RJ starting with Dennis coming off the bench. And now you got Gary coming off the bench. Uh, so that just adds that element to it. So yes, now I would say we look at how Darko's doing. And if this is the judgment, you know, era, I guess, of the season for him, I mean, so far winning three out of the four games, um, I guess, yeah, three out of four games. And then the fact that Sacramento's two minute report came back where Quigley got um, like, you know, whatever grabs or whatever, while he was shooting his like three point shot, it could have been a tie game. And who knows how that could have ended. Technically, this could be a four game win streak mm. if this was the case. Um, but three out of the four so far to start the new year is not bad whatsoever. Um, and it definitely helps when you have that increase of depth as as well as three point shooting because that's something that also quickly has proven that he could definitely do as well. Yeah, well, quickly comes in, he's taking over at point. What was impressive to me yesterday watching quickly is the scouting report coming in was he's a combo guard, he's going to score, he's going to be a microwave scorer. We've seen that at times. Um, he could really go off, and um, that's how they beat Memphis, for example. Quickly was really really able to provide that spark plug scoring. Yesterday, I thought it was, like, really impressive how he kind of ran almost like a traditional point. First quarter, he had six assists already. No turnovers, 10 assists in the game overall. Um, Seb, what are you seeing from him in terms of uh, in the point guard role specifically? Yeah, actually, this is something that Scotty pointed out to me. Uh, I think, where were we? Back in Sacramento. Uh, he, he was telling me, he's like, what he's most impressed with with these guys is the fact that they are versatile on both ends of the floor um and now focusing more on quickly like that's exactly what i'm seeing as well a lot of versatility we could and even having spoke to quickly myself the first thing he told me when he got into toronto he said that you know he's kind of known to be a scorer scorer in new york um but here he wants to be more of a playmaker a facilitator uh, which is once again a piece that can knows what they're doing with the ball but doesn't need the ball and now he wants to step into that point guard role position uh and 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 be that guy that kind of controls the pace of the game I feel like he knows exactly what he's doing out there because he's a very very quick guard like he's very fast when you watch him play um but he knows the tempo of his teammates and where like how they need to be positioned and how they need to play and he knows exactly so far he's like picking this all this stuff up on the fly guys keep that in mind yeah. he knows where he, his teammates want the ball and they had a team dinner the other day um and rj told me that that team dinner was super helpful because they literally like chatted through things of like hey where do you want the ball or what's best for you here or in this position or off of this screen or this this that so they're already working through things and i think you know it's working when you see the players around them also start to get better. And I think that's the biggest improvement I've seen outside of these two guys that we're focusing on right now is through Jakob. Mm, like, yeah. that's could we have a whole separate conversation about what we're seeing from Yak right now. But I think it's kind of the effect of quickly having a lot of control over the game of what he's doing. But at the same time, I feel like you don't always see him with the ball in his hand too much either. It's not mm -hmm. like, you know, he's easy. He's really quick to give it up to Pascal or give it to RJ or like just get the ball moving. Um, so he's not like he's not really ISOing too much or nothing. So I think that's what's been more impressive. But the, but, but at the same time, you know, you if you need a bucket, he can knock down a three so he stretches the floor or he's so fast he could just beat you straight off to the rim um and i'm just i'm excited for quickly personally just because 
you know, this is his opportunity to to come into a team and own a starting position, kind of like we've seen, and I know this has been a, probably a common comparison, but the same trajectory as what we saw from Tyrese Maxey, because I've been telling people this too, you go to Philadelphia, you talk to any of the coaching staff there, whether it was Nick Nurse's coaching staff or the one prior, they, everybody said nobody saw Tyrese Maxey coming in and being the player that he's now. And it only happened when he was given the starting opportunity. And so I'm not saying that that quickly is going to be another Tyrese. In fact, he just might be another quickly. But when you bring a guy who is the runner-up for a six-man of the year and you bring him into a starting position and say, okay, it's yours. See what you can do. I think he's going to prove himself or, or have at least take advantage of the opportunity to prove himself. And that's kind of what we've been seeing him doing right now through that versatility of, hey, look what I can do. I could be your facilitator, but I can also buy you a bucket. All right, uh, Sav, before we let you go here, uh, I thank you. I thanked you privately, but I'll thank you publicly as well for the help with the Jonte Porter feature that, that I had go up. Sav was on the road and got me a, a post-game quote from him after his debut. Uh, I didn't use this particular part of the quote in the story, Sav, but he did tell you that his goal was to not mess up uh, when he first got the minutes. Three games in here, um, briefly, I, I guess, do you think he has accomplished not messing up in his 30 or so minutes? Um, yes, I would say absolutely. I, I even told him that when he told me that, uh, <laughs> I, I said, well, you did a good job not messing up. I think you uh, surprised uh, everybody at home so far. So keep it up. And so, yeah, he's been great. He's, he's, he knows his role. It is good, too, because he's not playing scared. He's just playing his game and then not making mistakes. It's a key difference because you can just be out there and just do nothing. And kind of like, that's one of my things with McDaniels when he comes in. I'm just like, he looks like he's trying to get out the way so many times that you don't feel yeah. his impact. And then all of a sudden you notice that there's one guy not doing anything. Jonte's involved. He's just not doing too much and he's picking the right spots. It's a different way of not making mistakes. Actually, I, I got one more for you, Seb, before you you, uh, you run off to whatever you're going to do in L.A. Um, On an off night, no less. Oh, man. Enjoy yourself, all right? Uh, but with Scotty, I think there's so much concern about how is his role going to look game to game. We have seen his role look different game to game. He's taken up the bulk of the defensive assignments now with OG gone. He's been covering Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, De'Aaron Fox, and Steph Curry. Hell of a four-game stretch and a lot of work to be done defensively. Um, and then we've seen his offensive role a change as well to accommodate quickly coming in at point. RJ coming in as being a wing, uh, you know, creator who definitely is taking more possessions than OG and doing well with it, by the way. Uh, but... How are you seeing Scotty adapt to all of this? I think he's doing pretty well, all things considered. Okay. Uh, I mean, even like watching him yesterday uh, against Golden State, like he was face guarding Steph. Mm. Like he was like m making it claustrophobic on Steph so that Steph could at no point in time get hot because he basically rendered him scoreless in the first half. Yeah. And so when Scotty's, yeah, like so, like the only two points. Steph got in the first half was from free throws. Mm -hmm. Other than that, he was missing everything, uh, layups, and just wasn't getting the looks that he was, was normally getting. So I think Scotty was doing a tremendous job defensively. And we all know that defense is like definitely the unsung hero in uh, this modern day NBA. And so I would be more focused on what I'm seeing from Scotty defensively before I'm analyzing him too much offensively in this transition period with these two new guys. Um, I would still give it, you know, let's talk about like the end of the road trip before, uh, you know, we see anything. But I mean, 
do I do I think that his offense is going to be greatly impacted by these two guys? Not really, because these guys, once again, are the guys that are okay with not having the ball in their hands, too. Also, I mean, we saw that open gym clip. Masai was even talking up to, to quickly, like, hey, you and Scotty are going to just grow together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I think I, I think that we could, safe to say that, like, this is still Scotty's team, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is still the face of the franchise that is just right now, in this adjustment period, playing a different role. And that's what the best players do. They could do a little bit of everything. So I'm not too worried about Scotty at this moment. Yeah, I hear you. Because he is, like, probably the most versatile piece in the starting five. It's easier for him to accommodate and change his role. Of course, you just don't want to see him lost in the shuffle. But uh, as long as they're winning and as long as he's still involved and gets opportunities, no one's going to be unhappy. Uh, well, actually, people will still be unhappy. But uh, I, I think in the general public will be... Uh, Pretty happy with overall, but Stab, we've taken a lot of your time. Go enjoy uh, your few days in L.A., and um, yeah, just very jealous, that's all. (laughs) Thank you very much. I think I'm going to go for uh, a little bit of a walk or something, but take care, guys. All right. Savannah Hamilton, Sportsnet teammate here. Yeah, Yeah. great teammate, helping me out with the Jante feature. I didn't know she gave you that assist. Yeah, so I mean, so I had that feature coming, and then... The, the one night he gets into the game, yeah, he's on I'm like, well, I would like like a capper quote on this of yeah. like, it would be weird to have all the lead up and then he debuts and not have something. So Saf yeah. hooked it up, um, nice. talked to him post game. By the way, with, with respect to Scotty's usage, this is a conversation for uh, a bigger segment of its own. I, I have yeah, seen okay. some people on Twitter worried a little bit that, oh, Scotty's usage is only fourth on the team since the trade. It's down to 21.2% over these four games. It was up around 25% before that. I would say to just be... A, I mean, a little patient. It's been four games, and I think we're clearly seeing Scotty trying to make sure the other guys are, are getting involved uh, a little bit more. But also usage percentages and everything. That's that's field goal attempts, free throws, and turnovers. Um, you are also looking at things like, well, he's coming up with a lot. Yesterday aside, coming up with a lot of assists still. And his the amount he's touching the ball in the front court on a per-minute basis, how many times he touches the ball, is almost unchanged. He's playing a few less minutes. Everyone is that. That's a positive. Um, he is still... Touching the ball a lot, it's just a little bit more in the post, a little bit more at the elbow rather than face up. There, he's still involved, and I, I think you know patience is warranted here. And, and then the numbers also suggest, yeah, he's he's still involved. He's just mm-hmm. been involved more as a passer and helping RJ and Emmanuel quickly find their spots. And, and Sav telling us that you know relaying from Scotty how excited he's been about some of the things those guys bring. I think that then matches up with what the numbers have said and what the eye tests have said, which is that. Yeah, Sky's trying to make sure the new guys find their footing as they figure out the new kind of offensive pecking order. Yeah, I've I've already talked about this before, but um, it doesn't matter to me after they when they win. You know what I mean? As long as it's like a sustainable way to win and a sustainable way to play, it doesn't really matter to me as much in terms of who gets which role and how do we you know reposition all the roles. Ma- Magic Johnson had a low to mid twenties usage most of his career too. There you go. I'm not saying that that's the comp, and we have but I'm saying, that, and they got I'm saying that you can uh, you can find <laughs> yeah. your way to I, really. I you. And look, his usage rate is going to be up closer to 25% than than this 21% mark. Just saying, there are more than there are more ways to show you're involved in in the offense mm-hmm. than just the usage rate. And then it's also worth noting these are some of the best defensive games of Scotty's career as well. There you go. Okay, we're gonna take our last break uh, for today. It's been your host Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Ben Blue. To finish the program today, we're going to go around the NBA, which means we're going to bring Alex Wong back onto the program. And, uh, yeah, just cherish the last week, you know. But, Alex, how you doing, man? You all right? Why are you holding a baseball now? I don't know, man. You know how people got the stress balls and stuff? Yeah. Sometimes this works for me. It's just like... Just working on your pitch grips? Yeah, just working on my knuckleball, bro. Wow, this guy Chris Bassett over you never know what I'm gonna. Grips. You never know what I'm going to throw your way, my brother. Mm. So the Milwaukee Bucks continue to struggle with defense. Um, yes, a lot. This, yeah. yeah, this has been a constant struggle. So after a loss this weekend, uh, Giannis said post-game, quote, we have to be better. We have to play better. We have to defend better. We have to trust one another better. We have to be coached better. Every single thing, everybody has to be better. Everybody. It starts from the equipment manager. He has to wash our clothes better. Mm. The bench has to be better. The leaders of the team have to be more vocal. Yeah. How do you think the Milwaukee Bucks equipment manager felt? Sounds like a transcript of the Raptors show. We had fun. Giannis really, Noah Lewis got to be better. Giannis really said the, the defense stinks. It is because the jerseys stink. <laughs> yeah, because they smell. <laughs> Um, I just hope Jr. is listening, and this is the this yo, is the JR. level of accountability a championship yeah. organization. Wash your has. Tommy Hilfiger briefs, Jr. Jr. You got to dress better, <laughs> Riz better. Um, I think for Giannis, it's good for him to call this out because he's the team leader, and the Bucks have been, even though they've been successful in terms of record and things like that, mm-hmm. they have been pretty disappointing and downright frustrating to watch. This is a, a team that was used to playing amazing defense, top five level defense on a consistent basis. Whatever, when they got to the playoffs, they didn't have different coverages, you know, to defend, for example, Miami. But still, they have not improved defensively. We even talked about at the start of the season how essentially Adrian Griffin folded on his whole defensive strategy five games in because his team, his players ran him over. Then you see the reports of Bobby Portis confronting him and that getting immediately leaked to the press. You know, it's stuff like that. It's just like, that's not good. That's not good. At a certain point, you got to show some, like, level of togetherness. And leaking it in that degree just does not show togetherness. And so I think Giannis is just vocalizing that frustration. It's the worst their defense has been by ranking uh, around the league since Giannis's third year, which is way back in 2015-16. So that's um, several Coaches that Jason ago. Kidd doubling, double teaming the ball all the time. Yeah, I, I'm going to defend out of timeouts by spilling my drink on the floor and hoping that's, someone that's slips a like it's a banana peel. I love that one. Yeah, they're down to 20th in defense overall. And, yeah. and I think, you know, more on the more tactical side, part of the issue here is that they have tried to do different things, obviously, and develop different strengths, but they haven't changed the core weakness of the old system, which was that it was very, very conservative. Mm. So you're not forcing turnovers and it really, really relied on you to clean the glass well as well. And what's happening now is they're still not forcing turnovers. They're not getting any of the benefits of being more aggressive. Mm-hmm. But what they've been doing has weakened their ability on the boards. They're just an average defensive rebounding team now. And then, yeah, some of the other stuff like where like opponents hitting shots, getting to the rim a little better, whatever. But to me, the core thing here is you used to have a system where there was a purpose and a very clear strength and weakness to your system that you were willing to accept and build around and thrive on. And now they have lost the strengths without eliminating the weaknesses. They're still dead last in forcing turnovers. So to me, there's a little bit of, well, what's the point of trying all this other stuff if you're not even going to shore up? And look, the point is so you're more versatile come playoff time. But they haven't gotten any of the value of moving away from more conservative scheme. I don't even get the sense that they're totally bought in. Yeah, they don't impress me much, man. Shouts to Shania Twain. Um, nice. 
if you were the Bucks equipment manager and you're challenged by Giannis, what, what are you doing differently at your job today? Nothing. I'm probably getting paid like close to minimum wage. Oh, oh no. Is Garrett Temple here? Are we unionizing again? No, I'm just saying like there's a lot of people in organizations that are underpaid. So, But how can you step up? It don't up, matter what Giannis says. Pay me can, some money then. How can you step up as an equipment manager? Like what are ways you what? can, you can I mean, impress Giannis? This, this depends on the individual. I'm talking to every player about, hey, do you like a, a more firm starchier jersey or do you mm. like a more worn in uh, okay, like, okay. like form fitting jersey? And then I'm, I'm tailoring that instead I of like throwing that. one load in, I'm maybe having two different loads, one for the guys who want a little starchier, like like uh, who that. want a hang dry kind of thing. And one for the, the guys who want a little more lived in. Okay. Know? I like that. Yeah. I'm telling Giannis to pay me if you want your clothes dry clean better. Start. Giannis gives free shoes to like, all the staff, like he's he's very good. Hey man, I gotta buy groceries tonight. Oh, here's a here's a pair of size yeah. 18. What am I gonna do? Pull up to Loblaws with a pair of freak fours or <laughs> the whatever. Best, the best joke was someone was like, "Why would he call out the NASA's like that?" <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the NASA's you gotta be a, a relative better. I didn't say it. I'm just relaying it. Um, Warriors news, breaking news: Draymond Green show is back. He uh, <laughs> okay. dropped. A pod, so unsubscribe to Raptor Show and get on that Draymond Green. No, don't. Wave, no, don't do that. Um, we're still compiling the information because we're, we're on air right now, but Draymond did tell Cher that he almost retired and, and Commissioner Adam Silver Damn. was the one who kind of talked him out of it. Apparently, he visited Steve Kerr's house and they had kind of an emotional moment where they both started to cry mm. um, in the yard just talking over the situation. But but again, in the yard. Invite him into your house. <laughs> but again, we're, we're gathering more intel, <laughs> All right. and we'll have a more detailed report on this, Okay. Um, hopefully by tomorrow. And then, Blake, you dropped this note here as well that I saw this morning. So Bob Myers, um, you know, architect of the dynasty turned podcaster turned ESPN <laughs> countdown analyst, is now joining the um, – is he joining as a consultant on the NFL's Washington Cons yes. Commanders general manager? So search. the Washington Commanders were recently purchased by majority owner Josh Harris, who was formerly uh, of the 76ers organization and their ownership group. So they have cleaned house, and as they search for a new head of football operations and head coach, he's tagging in uh, Rick Spielman, who used to be the GM of the Minnesota Vikings, and Bob Myers to uh, help in the search, I guess, assuming – that hey, the the similar to what will what you and I were talking about with uh, Masai's uh, potential move to the Premier League that was rumored in the past. Um, that a lot of those skills in terms of culture building and talent identification at the executive level and things like that translate across sports. So you may, Bob Myers is not going to be able to sit down there and tell you who the next Draymond is that you can get in the seventh round of the NFL draft or whatever. They but, should draft Draymond. But, <laughs> but should be able to help you maybe uh -huh, build a yeah. culture, hey, this is what you should look for in a top exec and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing you weren't that impressed by Sam Howell's performance um, against the Cowboys yesterday. Did you say <laughs> Sam Howell's wrong? Like, what did you say? Sam Howell, the uh, Washington Howell? Commanders quarterback. Yeah, the Commanders yeah. quarterback, yeah. quarterback, man. Is that like how old? He's got to use Jahan Dotson more. Did your voice just crack like puberty? <laughs> What's going on? Anyways, uh, is Bob Myers the yeah. side quest king? Because this man, no, you are. No, but this man, <laughs> this man used you to be. You said that with a straight face. I've seen you do so many side this quests. This man used to be a player, right? Uh huh. Um, I think he was famously on UCLA. Yep. Was a player agent mm -hmm. before he became a general manager. Yep. Started a pod last year. I remember Jay Cole was one of the guests that was on. Yep. Now he sits next to Stephen A. Mm -hmm. You know, doing ESPN Countdown, and now he's consulting for a football team. Like this is a pretty deep side quest resume. Is all I'm saying. Um. Uh, 
It speaks to his ability to uh, make connections with people. Yeah. That's how you get on these tears. side quests. Sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm, this, I know your game so well that yeah. this is how I know people get into side quests. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, this is so like how you like write this, this was the wrong, features for This GQ. was the wrong question to I mean, you're just the wrong. Me. You're just the wrong person to ask it, I think. <laughs> you should be answering this question. God damn it. Um, next up, uh, passing this on to Blake, who has noted that Nick Nurse has found the Philadelphia version of the Arkells, Blake? Yes. So uh, I did Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast in the summer, and they kind of they asked me this question, and, and I went back and found a tweet of someone asking me back in June of like, okay, well, Nick Nurse is leaving Toronto. Um, how is he going to replace Arkells and the fact that he hangs out with them and jams with them? And my answer was a they're an L.A. band, but they're primarily Philly-based called Mount Joy. They felt to me like the spiritual equivalent of, of Arkells and like Nick Nurse would get along with them. Yesterday, Arkells post on Instagram, Arkells are in Philly for the game and Arkells, Nick Nurse and Mount Joy wow. are performing to are, Yo, are jamming out man. together in Philly. So uh, A, I'm going to tap myself on the, the back a little bit there for picking the band correctly. But B, yeah, yeah um, sorry to, to Max Gurman. I know you ushered in that transition, but Nick Nurse has a, has a new jam band, it seems. Yo, here's the thing. You have you you pretty much called the Jonte Porter signing, and then more importantly, you called him actually getting called up and playing in the rotation and joining. Uh, you named Emmanuel quickly as one of five players the Raptors should potentially try to get if they make a trade, and then boom, a week later, the Raptors actually go trade OJ Anobi for Emmanuel quickly. And now this is this is crazy. <laughs> You Things call in which threes, random man. band Nick Nurse is going to hook up with yeah. in Philadelphia. Look, so. I feel better about you're, this you're one than the, than the Jonte or uh, or um, whatever the other, the Quickly one. Like the Quickly yeah. one, like that, I wrote about five guys. That article named like 20 people. I covered my bases. No, uh, no, no. So no matter what they did, I, I was going to be, uh, I was gonna be right bold. there. We saw the name in bold. Okay, give us the Mount Joy, uh, like, I don't know playbook or what's the scouting report yeah i mean they're they're pretty standard rock band they're just they're standard rock they're band, accessible gotcha. like they would they would accessible. be like no, they'd be on no, indie 88 here okay um yeah, and you gotcha. might have the odd song make it to like you know i don't know old people mm. not old people radio but i don't i don't like know what traditional the, radio yeah i don't yeah. know what the other stations are called anymore um Fair they're enough. fine like yeah. I, i'm not uh like a huge fan of theirs but i i Got did you. figure that they were yeah, spiritually, they made sense as the Nick Nurse Jam. We got Mount Joy, Vance Joy, is Vance Joy in there? I <sighs> mean, not in there. I, I don't. Okay, I think sorry. this is a, I'm a separate joy. Different joy. Yeah. Don't you? Joy Luck Club. Oh, um, brother. By the way, the Bucks equipment manager's name is uh, Trevor Polson. Just wanted to put a name on that. His name Trevor is Trevor Polson. Yeah, so. I mean, if you want better service, pay them better, man. <laughs> Tip them or something. Um, James, oh, a lot of people make a lot less money in these jobs. James Harden posted a promo. Yeah. This weekend, because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the Clippers are in town soon. So on Thursday, January 25th, he's going to be doing a bottle signing um, with his new Jay Harden wine at an LCBO in Toronto. Except the poster does not say the time or the specific <laughs> LCBO location. And it just says, pull up. Um, yeah. You know, which LCBO are you guys pulling up to to find, uh, you know, Daryl Morey's mortal enemy? On the 25th. <laughs> this is so funny. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> but you know how athletes get sent like a graphic yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh, just tweet it out. James Harden's probably like, oh, yeah, the L LCBO. That's that's like, it's like a place. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you it's know, like distillery up. district or something. Yeah. It's, it's like, like the CN Tower. It's like pull up to LCBO. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is hilarious. Shouts to James. This is actually how men make plans. They don't tell you when and they don't tell you where. 
They're just like, here's an idea. Men and will then they post a random LZBO poster, then go to therapy. Uh, and then it doesn't uh, happen. But oh, yeah, I'm actually man. really curious where this uh, wine bottle signing will be. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm, if I'm kind of, I, I might pull up if I'm bored, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I might pull up, man. All right. Get him to sign a bottle of soju. Um, I think I, I he's think, probably only signing his yeah, own wine. But... <laughs> he's going to be like, huh? get out of here, man. Don't challenge me to a side quest. They're like, what are you bringing me a, mo- a moon soju <laughs> bottle for? Hey, Darvin Ham saved his job yesterday, I believe, by uh, beating the Clippers. Not that he did it, um, but the Lakers got the win. You know, Darvin Ham's been under a lot of heat. And after the game, LeBron was asked about the Clippers because the Clippers have been playing incredible for like a month and a half now. And he said, quote, they look great. Um, and the reporter had called them the James Harden Clippers. And LeBron said, you said the James Harden Clippers? Nah, it's the T. Lou Clippers. It doesn't take T. Lou long to get it right. It took five games and they've been cooking since. I feel like we've seen this from LeBron's playbook before. Is this a subtweet towards D. Ham? I don't even think it's a subtweet. I think he added him. <laughs> Like, it's pretty clear that, like, what was this? This is not a fit in, fit out. One game before this, LeBron was saying in the locker room that Bronny could play for the Lakers right now. Yeah. Um, This is also just a couple days removed from the now famous six sources about the the unrest with the Lakers rotations (laughs) and things like that. Um, Uh, Look, and and hey, Tyloo coached a good couple seasons in Cleveland with with those LeBron teams. I love Tyloo. I think he's Um, one of the best coaches. Yeah. Ever. What? No, Tyler's a great coach. One of the best coaches ever, man. Come Please on, relax. man. Tyler's what one are you of the. About? I love Tyler, man. Best coaches ever. I don't know about that. Anyways, uh, by the way, not insignificant. Tyler represented by Clutch Sports. Oh yeah, that's why they were at LeBron's 39th party. Yeah. Tyler was there dressed up. Was it a work party then? With Adele, with Rich Paul. <laughs> are you you? Th- Thinking LeBron expensed his Uber to the Lakers because it was a work event. If I invite enough teammates, can can I get reimbursed for these expenses? Yeah. Guys, um, Pat Bev, who has the Pat Bev pod, yes, was uh, gifted a really nice custom hoodie. It was like spray painted with a Pat Bev pod logo by a courtside fan. Um, you know, over the weekend, which you know, significant to me because like it's pretty cool that Pat Bev has stands. Um, he also said on the pod. He was asked about uh, RJ and Emmanuel quickly joining the Raptors because Pat Bev has famously said earlier this year that the Raptors have no dogs. You're not worried about them if you see Pascal and OG in the alley. Um, he was asked if RJ and, and IQ are dogs, and he says they're pups. He said they're they potential could, dogs. Yeah, yeah, they're potential dogs. Yeah. So they're pups right now. Um, he called what, him Steve what, Slikowski. What, what, what did you? Oh, my God. What did I'm you, trying to fit in, guys. I'm to I fit thought in. Mount Joy was going to be the whitest thing on this segment. What I'm enjoying up? all the banter. <laughs> Yo, I love that drop. Man. Derek, I want to hear that 30 times this week. Yeah, um, play that at Alex Wong's funeral. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, do the Raptors not have any dogs? What's going on, guys? Man, all I'll say is I, I'm actually, even though I was very skeptical about this, I'm actually really enjoying the Pet Bad podcast. Yeah. But I think Clips, Roan is Are the, you the, the, the co-host thing? of the year. Player podcast co-host of the year. Okay. The me award goes to Roan. Um, okay. And Pat just is really committed to the bit. Like, he's either... He's almost like a pro wrestler in a way to me. Like, Plus I don't he's think... He's definitely serious. like a pro wrestler. And he's yeah. wearing a sleeveless hoodie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess my question would be, as a follow-up to this, I mean, A, if... 
is Scotty Barnes also in the potential dog watch? Because I, I feel like that is the one person who probably could have had a gripe with the, the Pat Bev stuff earlier in the year. Like, Well, if anyone had a gripe, they could have, you know, yeah. did anything to Pat Bev in the three times they played each so other. So this was going to be my part B. Does he have to revisit the OG one after the Knicks absolutely stomped the 76ers the other day by like yeah. 36 and OG was like mm. plus infinity or whatever it was. was and Pat Bev in his like 10 minutes was like minus 100. Well, that's the thing with Pat Bev is, you can't actually get him back. You know, that was the, there was that clip with, I know that show that you love with Cameron and Mace. It is what it is. And they were talking about it. And he's always like, you know what? Pat Bev says, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to light it up. Like, what do you mean? You're going to take more charges? <laughs> Mace <laughs> like, did say that. <laughs> like, you got to play defense harder? Yeah, you're like, going to put up eight points tonight? Because he never 43? means that he's going to put up 30. But honestly, I just enjoy the entertainment factor of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Good for, uh, good for Pat Bev. Unnamed media member, because I want to get this person in trouble, text me and said, OG was not a dog. I know that much. RJ is. Ooh. Um, oh. Live right now. This, um, guy, this guy got a text that said, woof, woof. <laughs> guys, uh, you know, we love our acronyms and stuff. Did you guys know that Scoot Henderson has a personal mantra uh, that's ODD? Do you know what ODD stands for, Will? Is this like a, a different... Uh, dissociative disorder or no? No, it's okay. Overly, disorder? overly determined to dominate. Got you. ODD. Uh, how do you like? How do you like Scoot Henderson's ODD approach? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pass it to Blake. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't hit for me, but maybe it okay. hits with Blake. I mean, oh, overly yeah. determined is just like like grammatically a little clunky. Like yeah, determined's yeah. not editor, a binary like, thing. Yeah. You can be more degrees of of determined, but I feel like yeah. overly is weird. There also. And this is an issue that I expressed with OG and the Knicks fan base last week. Your name's Scoot. Yeah, you don't, you don't need... need to try that hard to come up with something yeah. different. Like, I get it. It's the Scoot Zero. Uh, so the shoes are still named after him. But you don't need your name's Scoot, man. You're going to be, you are a brand immediately by having that name. You don't need to sub brand off of that, I don't He's think. He's got shoes. Yeah, yeah. New, new shoes, man. New signature shoe from ODD Ananobi. Um, yeah, the Puma. Oh, okay. Yeah, shout out to Puma team. Shout out to Puma. Um, They're a bit much. Let's see what else. I got to see these shoes. Luke Cornett um, on the weekend. It was a close game. I think it was Celtics, Pacers. Went to the free throw line in the third quarter. And after hitting his second free throw, he looked at the Celtics bench and hit the ice in the veins after making a free throw. Mm. Cool or uncool? That's totally cool because as a Raptor fan, I would love to see that happen. I would love for Jakob to do that. Oh, yeah. After a push shot, he's like... <laughs> no, after making two free throws. Oh, well, that too, yeah. yeah. I suppose that's the part that... Cool or not cool? Hitting the ice in the veins... That's cool to me. ...after a free throw. That's yeah. cool to me. I, I like it. It was, it was also especially weird because it was in the third quarter. It's not it like, like it was the end of the game. Forward. Yeah. It wasn't like, like never mind, not cool, anything. Not cool, and not and cool. so after the first one, he's like celebrating to the Celtics bench. So uh -huh. I, my guess here is he had like struggled on free throws recently or something. I did not look into it that closely. Yeah, obviously, that talk, obviously a shooter is a shooter. He's at 89% for the season. So, may I don't know. Maybe they were just having some fun with it. But either way, uh, the fact that it happened in the third quarter, I thought actually made it funnier to me. Mm. I, I liked it more after that. Yeah. Um, oh, two more minutes. Okay. Do they call him the, the green cornet, like the green hornet? That's not bad. You should actually The unicornet was the the one. Like, there is nothing unicornet about him. I'm sorry. Wow, are we getting played off early because I... <laughs>
Unicornet. Yeah, what just happened? I don't know. Uh, Luke Cornette is the one who does that. Like Joe Coy, is that a thing? Am I trying to fit in again? Yeah. Luke Cornette's the guy who does that fake jump block thing, right? Is that Yeah, him? the Cornette okay. contest. Sorry, yeah. I got confused yeah. with him and Sam. Yeah, Bowser. where he doesn't run toward them. That way you can't blow by him. He just like goes partway up the baseline and just mm. wacky yeah. inflatable arm flailing tube man. Um. All right, man. Yeah, 90 seconds. What you got, main host? Well, what about the last note you have in here? The Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic announced last week they're retiring my favorite player growing up, Shaquille O'Neal's jersey number in February. It'll be the first jersey number the Magic are retiring. Do you know the other two franchises that have never had a jersey number retired? I know one of them. It's the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, the you Raptors the and the Clippers, right? Yeah, yeah, damn. Yeah. We we both gonna announce the Kawhi letter <laughs> retirement. We're gonna jersey. have Lawrence Frank come in from the Raptors twice. It's gonna be like that photo of like the blood in the crypt and they're holding it up the tied bandanas. It's just us holding up two Kawhi Leonard jerseys. Kind of crazy. The Clippers never. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you think about it. Who they about but... to retire, man? Elton we'll, Brand. We'll Corey have Mark McGetty. Stein on on Wednesday talk about which Buffalo Braves should get retired. He was a huge Buffalo Braves guy pre-Clippers. What you know about Eric Pykowski and Lloyd Vaught, man. Come All on. right, we're Are done for today. Smiles. <laughs> We're done. We're, we're done. done. I've yes. been your host, Will. You've been listening Great to show. the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe. Please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Savannah Hamilton, producer and co-host Alex Wong, uh, Blake Murphy, a board producer, Darren Dale, Jennifer Olnick, David says, Jeremy Manitad. We'll see you tomorrow.